welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to get a few moments of your day. We've had a couple of episodes from some of my favorite encouragements in my walk with the Lord from Elizabeth Elliot, and this is going to be my last one in our little, this kind of mini summer series that just sort of popped up. So we talked about Do the Next Thing in episode 80, and then the last episode, episode 81, was on hints for a quiet time with the Lord, and today's episode 82 is on the 80-20 rule in our marriages. This, it's been quite a bit, but a while back, we worked together in the Thankful Homemaker Facebook group, the 30-Day Husband Encouragement Challenge from Revive Our Hearts, and it's just a free PDF that they have online. <clears throat> you can sign up for it. I'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. But in the Facebook group, we just took one challenge a day to help us become better encouragers to our husbands. And this is a challenge that I personally try to do yearly. It's a great one to do with another married friend for accountability, and then both of your marriages get a great blessing. And what I do want to say is it's 30 days. You can split that up however you want. Ladies, if you commit to 30 days and you only get 10 days in, it's going to be better than no days. So I encourage you to um, check out the link and just try to uh, work through it at least at least once in your marriage would be great because this challenge helps us to recognize how easily we can get focused more on what our husbands are doing wrong. And when I'm saying that, it's more many times in our own eyes what we see they're doing wrong instead of focusing on what they're doing right. And we can find ourselves asking, this is not a good place to be, how can I do this challenge when all I see are his faults? Because if that's our attitude coming into a challenge like this, we need to repent and we need to ask the Lord to change our hearts and our minds towards our husband. You loved and married this man and saw many wonderful traits in him. So day 10 of this challenge reminded us that we chose this man. And when we find our hearts becoming critical, it can be too easy to forget all those wonderful traits that drew us to our husband in the first place. I'm not going to focus on the whole challenge today, but I do want to encourage you to work through it. And as I said before, maybe you only do one challenge a week, but I want to share a few thoughts taken from this day 10 to give you a little bit of a glimpse into it. And again, I'm going to link to the challenge in the show notes. So day 10, I'm just going to grab a little excerpt from it. It says, count the ways you love him, then tell him. Does your husband know that you think he is attractive? What was one of the characteristics in your husband that first drew you to him? Was it a physical characteristic or something else? Was it his gentle, compassionate eyes, kindness or concern for others, an easygoing confidence, a steadiness that comes from trusting in the Lord, strength of character in a culture that lacks integrity? Do you see at least a glimpse of that characteristic in him today? Whatever it is, Tell him. If you still have any of your old love letters, reread them for clues to deepen your current level of appreciation 
for your spouse. And that's the end quote there. And I want to share, as I was reading that, as I was kind of going through it to share it on the podcast, it reminded me of another one of my favorite quotes that I want to share with you. And you, if you have been with me anytime, you've seen me share this on social media probably multiple times. I have it in a... Um, a blog post called Romancing Our Husbands at the blog, and I'll try to remember to link to that in the show notes. There's a little bit more in that particular post than this quote. So it's a fun post to read. So I encourage you to check that one out. But I want to share this quote from you from Shirley Rice. And she said, she said, are you in love with your husband? Not do you love him? I know you do. He's been around a long time and you're used to him. He's the father of your children, but are you in love with him? How long has it been since your heart really squeezed when you looked at him? Why is it you've forgotten the things that attracted you to him at first? Your husband needs to be told that you love him, that he's attractive to you. By the grace of God, I want you to start changing your thought pattern Tomorrow morning, get your eyes off the toaster or the baby bottles long enough to look at him. Don't you see the way his coat fits his shoulders? Look at his hands. Do you remember when just to look at his strong hands made your heart lift? Well, look at him and remember, then loose your tongue and tell him you love him. Will you ask the Lord to give you a sentimental, romantic, physical, in love, kind of love for your husband, he will do this, end quote there. So I'm kind of getting to the title here of the podcast finally, and it's the 80-20 rule. Have you heard of this? I first heard of it, I've, I've heard of the 80-20 rule before, but I first heard of it in relation to our marriages at a woman's retreat I went to many years ago. But it was really Elizabeth Elliott who's mentored me through her books and messages who helped me to put this into practice into my own marriage. Elizabeth shared in one of her books a challenge presented by her husband, Lars Gren. And I'm going to quote her words here. <clears throat> she said, A wife, if she is very generous, may allow that her husband lives up to perhaps 80% of her expectations. There's always the other 20% that she would like to change, and she may chip away at it for the whole of their married life without reducing it by very much. She may, on the other hand, simply decide to enjoy the 80%, and both of them will be happy. It's a pretty convicting quote, huh? Because we can find ourselves, friends, much more easily drawn to keeping our eyes on those things that we think or see our husbands doing wrong rather than what they're doing right. And I'm raising my hand because I've been so guilty of this. And then even thinking this through other relationships that maybe this 80-20 rule we can benefit from. What about with our children or our friends or our church family? We have been given much grace and we can offer much grace. And we need to remember the gospel. We are a forgetful people. I'm going to remind us here again. I'm, not going to, I'm just going to say my husband reminds me, and I love how he has said this to me. And he said it one time somewhere, and I'm like, I have to write that down. He's, he, says, he said, we who deserve 0% seem to have no complaints when God gives us 100%. If we're in Christ, we have received 100% of Jesus, and we deserved 0%. This is why, friends, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves because we are forgetful people. 
And this is a real, I'm going to plug another episode here. This is a really great time to re-listen to my podcast, I'm Preaching the Gospel to Ourselves. Visit episode 69, and it's literally called Preaching the Gospel to Yourself, and I'll make sure to link to that too. But ladies, pray. Ask the Lord to help you because maybe your husband doesn't need to change, but maybe you need to change in your attitude and responses. The Lord is sanctifying you and your husband in and through your marriage. Stuart Scott says, one of the worst things a couple can do is work to change one another into each other's likeness. They are to be changed rather into Christ's likeness. I love Romans 14, 19. It says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I'm really thankful that the Lord doesn't deal with every sinful area of my life at the same time. I am so grateful for his kindness towards me to change me with the loving hand of a kind and gentle and patient father. I think Romans 2, 4 there. We all have different ways of doing things. I was just talking about this with a friend the other day. It kind of came to my mind again. And just the reminder that different isn't necessarily wrong. It's just different. Your way of doing things isn't necessarily the only right way. Are we gentle in our responses to our husbands? If there are areas in their lives that change is needed, do we give them time to change? It's that reminder again that change is a process, not an event. Do we give the Lord time to work in this person's life in his way and on his timetable and for his purposes? Maturity in Christ takes time. None of us will ever be perfect here on this earth, but sometimes we can have high expectations of others that they just aren't even mature enough to reach. When we put expectations on others and they don't meet them, we're going to find ourselves responding to them in anything but in a kind and gentle spirit. We need to let the Lord work in the lives of others in his timing, and we need to continue to be a loving light for Christ in their lives. This isn't to say that there aren't sinful areas that may need to be dealt with. That is always the case. I I understand that. That's not what I'm saying here, but it's looking at the everyday moments and really seeing them in light of eternity. So ask yourself these, these questions. These are ones you've heard before. Is it going to matter tomorrow or in a week or in a month or a year or 10 years? We can make much out of nothing, and there are many times we can just let things go and show love and grace as we've been shown. The 20% you're seeing in your husband you think needs dealt with is not outside of God's sovereign control. Trust the Lord, my dear sister. There is hope. Pray for your husband. The more we begin to focus on the 80% our husbands are doing right, the less and less we will begin to see that 20% that we seem to think needs to change. The more grace-filled and enjoyable our marriages may become too in the midst of that. It's not very pleasant to spend, or really it's not very pleasant to live with someone who spends every moment trying to change you and really sometimes trying to change you into their likeness and how they determine you should be. So I want to read, it's, it's a little bit long, but I want you to stick with me here. I want to read an excerpt from Elizabeth Elliot's book, Let Me Be a Woman. It's from chapter 23, and it's actually, I'm grabbing my book here. It's on page 68, and it's titled, You Married a Sinner. Many of you already know where I'm going with this, but I want you to just, just take a moment. If you can pause what you're doing and listen, take in her words here with me. And I'm reading it from the book, and I've highlighted, so hopefully I will do this 
because um, I'm not reading the whole chapter. I'm just reading some portions of it in case for some reason you're like, oh, I have that book and I'm going to grab it and follow along. I'm going to skip a little bit. And she says, she said here, first of all, who is it you marry? You marry a sinner. There's nobody else to marry. That ought to be obvious enough. But when you love a man as you love yours, it's easy to forget. You forget it for a while, and then when something happens that ought to remind you, you find yourself wondering, what's the matter? How could this happen? Where did things go wrong? They went wrong back in the Garden of Eden. Settle it once for all. Your husband is a son of Adam. Acceptance of him, of all of him, includes acceptance of his being a sinner. He is a fallen creature in need of the same kind of redemption all the rest of us are in need of, and liable to all the temptations which are common to man. She continues here. The consciousness that we are alike in our need of redemption is a liberating one. For there will be times when you find yourself accusing, criticizing, resenting. You begin almost without realizing that you are doing it to make a mental list of offenses, anticipating the day when some straw will break the camel's back and you can recite the whole list sure to add at the end, and another thing. But you will find yourself disarmed utterly and your accusing spirit transformed into loving forgiveness the moment you remember that you did. And ladies, this is me speaking now, not Elizabeth Elliot. I want you to remember this, that you did, in fact, and these are her words, marry only a sinner, and so did he. It's a grace both you both need. And she quotes the words here from a favorite song. Tis grace hath brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. And she continues, One of the silliest statements ever to catch the public imagination came out of that silly movie, Love Story. Love is never having to say you're sorry. That's quoted from the movie there. If it doesn't make you sorry to hurt somebody you love, what in the world would ever make you sorry? You do need forgiveness. You do need to forgive. And it is a wonderfully healing thing to confess your sin to the one you've sinned against and to ask for his forgiveness. At times when you are thinking to yourself that it's a high time he asks for yours, remember that you are equal in your need of redemption. There's no keeping score in love, nor is love blind. In fact, the one who truly loves sees clearly the truth about the beloved which is hidden from others' eyes. And it's perhaps because the beloved makes the very sunshine brighter and the whole world sing that it is not always easy to remember that he is a sinner. But when love becomes an everyday fact that we live with, we begin to discover imperfections to which we respond either lovingly or unlovingly. So, you marry a sinner and you love, accept, and forgive that sinner as you yourself expect to be loved, accepted, and forgiven. You know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and this includes your husband, who comes short also of some of the glories you expected to find in him. Come to terms with this once and for all, and then walk beside him as heirs together of the grace of life. End quote there. I love that reminder. You marry a sinner because there is no one else to marry. Oh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, one another up just as you are doing. Sorry, I'm a little tongue twisted today. I don't know what that is. So Bob Barnes, from his book, What Makes a Man Feel Love, has 
a very, I'm, I'm quoting a lot today, but these are just some really impactful quotes that have impacted my marriage. And I pray that they will be an impact for your marriage too. And I'll, I, I have this particular quote in a post of its own, and I'll link to that in the show notes. So you have that one too. But Bob Barnes from his book, What Makes a Man Feel Love said, a man is a sponge for admiration from his wife. In all of the healthy marriages I have ever seen, the wife sincerely admires her husband, and she doesn't keep it a secret from him or anyone else. We have all heard that behind every great man is a great woman. A loving, admiring, and godly woman will indeed cause a man to gain greater stature than he would on his own. A wife's encouragement can make her husband a better man. Your man wants you, his wife, to be his most enthusiastic fan. He becomes stronger and more confident from your support and encouragement. Treat me as I am, and that's just where I will stay. Treat me as if I were what I could be, and that's what I'll become. End quote there. Ladies, I really want to encourage you to enjoy all the wonderful things you love about that husband of yours, and you will find both of yourselves very happy together. So how can you change the way that you view your husband today? Are there areas you need to repent of? Are you, there areas you need to just spend time on your knees and prayer before the Lord? Ask the Lord to help you. He will. And also, will you commit to taking the 30-day husband encouragement challenge? And I want to end here and I'm still have some uh, a resource of the the week to share with you but I want to I want to kind of close with a prayer from day 10 of the challenge so take a moment to just pray with me here ladies Lord Jesus I confess that it's often easier to criticize than admire please forgive my critical spirit and free me to remember all the things that nudged me to choose my husband in the first place Remind me of things I've forgotten and even point out things that I've been blind to. Loosen my tongue to speak words of admiration and renew in me a deep, passionate love for my husband. Amen. Jesus is enough always, my friend. So thank you so much for your time today. And you can find the show notes and these resources I've mentioned at the blog over at thankfulhomemaker.com. And it'll be linked wherever you're listening into this podcast too on your um, on whatever app you're, you're catching us on. I'll make sure to link to it. But my resource to share with this episode goes beautifully with it because it's the marriage series at the blog. If you haven't gone through it, I'm going to link to it, or maybe you need a refresher in it, as I do. It's a series of posts and podcasts, and one of them, my husband joined us in. So I'd love you to um, to listen into that. But some of the topics were God's design for our marriage and our role as women. We talked about loving our husband, showing respect, submission, communication. We talked about sexual intimacy in it. So it was one of my favorite series to put together. It greatly benefited my own marriage. And I remind you always, I'm a learner with you and you get what the Lord is teaching me and working out in my life. Because my desire for all of us here is in the spirit of Titus 2, is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and through knowing him, become more like him. And that impacts every area of our lives, how we care for our homes, how we love our husbands, how we love our children. And marriage is a tool the Lord uses to sanctify us. So come take a walk through the series if you haven't yet. And again, as I said earlier, maybe it's time for a re-listen if you've already listened in. 
because we are a forgetful people. And they actually start, if you're on your podcast um, app, they start in episode 34 on the actual podcast. And I'll link to all that too in the show notes. So my friend, thank you again for your time and have a very blessed week. Mm-hmm.